It's now time for Race Chat Live with Chris Creighton and Craig Moore. Howdy, race fans. How the heck are you? Interesting. Uh-oh. I think somebody... Hello? Fred? You guys here? Chris? Yeah, I'm here. Got me? Oh, you guys hear me? Chris, I got you. All right. So, uh, I don't know if my mic was on the whole time. Oh, boy, echo. Okay, can you guys hear me? I hear echo. Can you guys hear me now? Yeah. Any echo? No. Okay. All right, so something something or another, when, and I don't even know if my whole opening log even was heard because for some reason, when more than one person, I believe, comes into the studio using the possibly the direct connect line, um, what that does is it sends the it sends people back into mute, and the feedback was coming from. I, it's hard to explain, but I finally figured out why we keep having feedback and it has something to do with more than one person, I believe, logging into the studio using the, uh, I guess, 
the host line. I'm not sure, but I use a direct link to call in when I'm using my computer. So see now somebody's just yep. transferred me over to. Uh, wait, is that you, Jason? Is that you, CJ Sports? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't transfer you over. But there's only one person calling a host. It will not let anybody else call in a host. So that can't be it. Because um, whoever calls in first as host, that's the only person. It'll say someone's already. You. It'll actually say you've already called in as host or something, or somebody's already called in as host. So there's going to be one host. I didn't transfer. I didn't just transfer you. I have no idea who that is. Yeah, somebody just uh, but, transferred the six zero one nine three eight two five zero three, and they just moved it back. Who did? Who did? Who, who, who's doing that? I I just moved it back because you you. I didn't know if you needed it on there. I didn't move it over to make it live. Uh, I just moved it back because since you asked, I just assumed it wasn't supposed to be over. Does it need to be over on live? No, actually, that's where the echo was coming from. I plugged in through my computer. See, normally I use a phone that I don't that I have. Uh, uh, my headphones plugged into, but I have an Apple phone, so I called in on my Apple phone. But uh, something, something or another, when we're first all logging in, something happens and creates it to jump over there. Is, is Craig has Craig made it yet? I don't even know if if my opening dialogue come on, but it's okay. We've got we've got it under control now. The tech issues should be uh, should be over. You can hear me loud and clear, Mr. CJ Sports. Taz, can you hear me loud and clear? I sure can. No echoes or anything like that. And to answer your question, Taz, yes, we're actually live still right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. For those that that are wondering, we have have a chat room that they run during the show. Um, A lot of times I'll chime in and answer things or um, respond to things, um, but we we run a chat room as well, so we kind of communicate. And then Taz just asked, "Are we actually live?" So just for those that wonder where that just came from, <laughs> yes, we're actually live. Um, I do want to take this opportunity to uh, thank, uh, first of all, um, the Race Chat Live crew for uh, everything they do, um, being here every Monday night and, and having an action-packed, uh, funny, entertaining show. Um, all plans are. I'm still crazily understaffed and for anybody that works in really anywhere in the world at this point knows how how miserably hard it is to have a staff and have people actually come to work with all these stupid unemployment stimulus tax return checks that everybody's getting nobody wants to work still um so i've been incredibly understaffed um i basically had to beg two people not to quit today um, so I'm hoping that uh, we find a couple more people for the evening shift. That's uh, um, I'll ask Miss Brandy. It's kind of been go to work at 4 a.m., get home anywhere between 6 and 8 p.m., and kind of just go to sleep. Um, it, it's been a rough few weeks, and it's been and I am the busiest store in the entire market. So it's just physically and mentally and everything draining. So. Uh, I have not been on the air for the last few weeks. I'm hoping tomorrow that everything goes as planned and the 110 Nation Sports Show will be on tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. That's what the plans are. Um, I did drop a couple of press releases. I'm going to be working on something else while, while you guys do the show um, and start getting stuff on the site going and on Facebook. So make sure you guys check us out on Facebook, the 110 Nation Sports. Um, follow us on Twitter at 110 Nation. Um, but uh, I just want to throw a few things out there real quick before you guys jump into everything. Um, we'll kick back and listen to the uh, show for probably the next 30 to 45 minutes before I call tonight, 3.15, 3.20 in the morning comes early, so I, I don't make it long to struggle to even make it through my shows. 
Um, but I'm going to try to get a few things knocked out, listen to the uh, show. You guys got a lot of things planned. Um, I saw the schedule, so looking forward to a great show. Um, I'm going to let you guys take back over. Sounds good. Sweet. Yeah, we do have an action-packed show tonight. So the a- absolute dominance uh, this weekend uh, by Martin Truex Jr. It really, as I think you said it best earlier this week, it really left us with not much to talk about. I mean, other than Martin Truex Jr., I, I give my apologies. I give, I, I admit when I'm wrong. Um, you know, I, I, I threw this guy down the bus and said, look, you know, um, he's not going to be worth a darn. Cole Pern was the whole reason why this guy was a champion. Um, obviously, if he was that talented of a race car driver, we would have known him a lot, lot sooner than 10 years into his career. Uh, I was wrong, okay? I, I, I stand here today, and I stand corrected. Um, Martin Truex Jr. is badass, and the guy knows uh, he, how to win races. I think... I think he's kind of he's hitting his peak into the career, and Bernard Turow kind of was major re- part of that. And with him being a part of Bernard Turow, he had no teammate to rely on, so he could build his character in a sense. Which Mike Joy said numerous times, he's just quiet. Or if it wasn't Mike Joy, then it was Jeff Gordon. But um, one of the comments, one of the commentators said that, and he's just a quiet guy. But when it comes to on track, he knows he knows that the job one job is on the line, and he's got to either succeed at it, and he and he doesn't. And when he does succeed at it, it's remarkable. And the the guy just the guy can drive straight up, regardless yeah, of who he, he is proved, on top of the box. He proved that this weekend, and you know, I mean, uh, I, I expected the guy to win two races outside of Cole Pern, you know? I mean, and that's because Joe Gibbs is a strong enough organization to win that. I, the way I look at it right now is Martin Truex Jr. has to be the favorite uh, going into the championship. Of course, we're still waiting on Denny Hamlin to win. Kyle Busch is finally in the winner's circle. Uh, still waiting on Kevin Harvick to win. You know? uh, I think this weekend really showed the struggles of SHR. And uh, the fact that Harvick has even been able to put together the season he's been able to put together versus what the other cars have struggled and looked like. Um, Of course, two of the SHR cars uh, were taken out before the end of the race. Cole Custer, Custard the Wall, and uh, Eric Amarola. Double-A battery charged for the wall. Yeah, well, Ricky... Ricky Stenhouse took care of old Eric Amarola. And, you, you know, you can hear the disappointment in Eric's voice. He knows that uh, his time and a good ride is coming to an end, I believe, and very quickly. Uh, I don't foresee Stuart Haas Racing uh, re-signing him. I, I hope that they can keep the sponsorship, uh, you know, with uh, uh, Smithfield because the last thing you want to see is uh, sponsorship troubles in a dominant race team. Well, it's supposed to be a dominant race team, but I think it's very critical that Stuart Haas Racing goes out and signs a veteran race car driver that's either won a championship or been close to a championship. And it, when you start looking at the uh, looking at who's who's left out there, you know, coming up on the contract here, the very top of the list, the name that should be number one, of course, is Brad Keselowski. Um, that I think uh, keeping him in a Ford. 
uh, would be very important. Uh, he does have one win in a bow tie. He has one win in a bow tie. But uh, the rest of his career, he has uh, been a Ford man. And, of course, you know, I have no shame in my game. I'm a Ford guy. I, I, I would like to see him uh, stay in the Ford camp. And, and if he can't be at uh, Stuart Haas Racing, I mean at uh, Penske Racing, I'd love, love to see him uh, with a Kevin Harvick duo over at Stuart Haas. Uh, so, you know, obviously a good weekend for all three series to race. The Xfinity race, I believe Taz was uh, the the uh, most entertaining. Uh, the truck race had a big one. Um, yeah, that was that was weird. I mean, I saw I saw glimpses of the truck race. I haven't caught up with the Xfinity, but. The truck race wasn't bad, but the big one kind of surprised me, and and I just believe that the leaders just were not going while everyone else behind them was just kind of like, let's get a move on, greens out, come on. And I don't know if they may have spun the tires or they just weren't, they just couldn't go as quickly as everyone else. It, it's kind of hard to tell. All you can see is that the leaders weren't going. Everyone else was trying to go. And unfortunately, when that kind of thing happens, you're going to ask for a big Rex and that's what we got. Um, it, it's, it's unfortunate for all those involved, but I guess that's just a part of racing. And the one yeah, thing was, I can say for this weekend overall is that with the truck race being at night, Xfin- sadly, Xfinity and Cup didn't get the same night race for being throwback weekend. And I have to say, if you're doing throwback racing, you have to do it under lights. You can do it day into night, fine with that, as long as you still have primarily night race. But I didn't. Something about running throwbacks under the day was like, yeah, kind of cool, but a lot of them pop better under the lights. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think that this was all rushed. I, I did not like the fact that we moved the throwback race from the Southern 500. The whole point of throwback was that it was the Southern 500. We're going back to uh, tradition. So this isn't tradition here, and I don't know why they decided that this was the race to do throwback, uh, because obviously it's the race on Labor Day weekend that was the Southern 500 for decades upon decades, and it created, when they went back to that time frame, that's where the throwback come from. So uh, they've taken a tradition and absolutely made a mockery of it, I guess, to just try to have better paint schemes or something. I, I really... I'm not sure. I didn't dig it. I think all three races should have been run at night, uh, as you said, Taz. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we just did not get a very entertaining cup race out of it. Uh, I think that uh, that's what we're left disappointed with more than anything is the lackluster uh, performance from the cup cars. Uh, It was really, I mean, other than Kyle Larson splitting the, the needle there in three wide, uh, and on, on a track like Darlington, where you don't see that very often, that that was about as entertaining as it got on the cup side. Of course, uh, I was on the edge of my seat. I was hoping that Larson would track down Truex and give us a late, you know, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, oh, this is going to be 
this is going to be Ricky Craven and uh, and who was it? Uh, Kurt Busch, you know, for the end. We're going to have side-by-side door-door, and you know Kyle Larson, boy. And it just never really happened like that. So well, by like, the time the race is over with, Kyle Larson was two and a half seconds back. So I think what made the race a snooze fest, and this is where the broadcast itself kind of fails in a way, is like, they focused so much on, like, the front runners, But the problem was all race long was that Truex was just out in left field. And he had at least a 13, like, a 10 to 15 second lead on second and third. And it was just like they kept on focusing more on that. But it was just like, why aren't you focusing on some of these other battles behind him? Like, mm-hmm. if you want to show – if there's a battle for – say, like, three-car battle for a 30th place, even though they're two laps down, I would rather watch that than try to watch Truex just lap the field or watch mm-hmm. everyone else trying to catch him. I, w- I want to see I want to see action, but I think that's where the broadcast kind of fails. Everyone's saying it's the package, and I don't think the package is a problem. I think the problem what makes some of these races a snooze fest while you have the leader dominating doing what he does, stop focusing more on him and focus on somebody else battling for position. And I think that's where the snooze fest kind of comes in, in a way. Now, because I was kind of watching race here and there, because, I mean, at times where they were like, oh, Truex laughing the field, or Truex doing this, or, and I'm like, I kind of don't care. I'm like, <laughs> I want to see something else. Where's the product at, right? And then when Larson started, uh, and then when I noticed Larson making moves towards the front, and he was consistently doing something that nobody else was doing, and that's keeping Truex on, like, that fishing line and saying, you can go out a certain distance, but you're going to come right back. I guess you could say kind of like a, one of those retracting dog leashes. And he had Truex yeah. under one of those retracting dog leashes. Like, I'll let you go for a bit. And then when he wanted to hit the button to reel him in, he would squeeze that button and bring him on back. And up until, uh, what was it, with like 10 laps to go when he got in his tail, um, I think yeah, Larson just... just kind of lost, just lost everything that he had left in the tank for, for what the car had to offer him. But when Larson was catching him, I was like, hey, now we got ourselves a race now for the lead. I'm actually entertaining it. Yeah, and this is a Goodyear issue. Uh, you know, Goodyear gives a good enough tire where it doesn't pop, but the tire is only good, good for 25, 30 laps, and then it wears out. But the tire doesn't give out. It doesn't give out completely. It just all the goods ran out of it. So the, the, you can, and you've seen those who had fresher tires at times, they, they could zoom. I mean, it was, you know, uh, you didn't want to get caught without the fresher tires on throughout the whole race. And what happened there, you know, he just, he, he, he used up his stuff and we didn't get a late caution like Darlington normally has. And uh, just, you know, he reeled him in and he couldn't. Uh, one thing that Kyle Larson lacked, and I've seen it, I've seen this once before, Taz. I've seen it once before. I watched it uh, in the early career of Kyle Larson, I mean, of Kyle Bush. When Kyle Bush first started, boy, that kid could make a race car do things that just made your jaw drop. 
But when it comes down to closing the race out, that's where he had problems at. And I think that Kyle Larson has the same issue. And we think, well, Kyle Larson's been around for quite a few years. You know, has he not figured that out? No, he's not because he's never been in the type of equipment that he's in today. One thing that we forget about Kyle, Kyle Bush was he started out in the best of equipment with the best team uh, NASCAR had had at that time, which was Hendrick Motorsports. So, you know, Kyle Bush come up to the uh, uh, cup level in a very, very fast race car. Um, and at times did not know how to close. He did not know how to finish the race. And we're seeing this right now with Kyle Larson. So if we've seen Bush be able to turn it into what he's turned into, it is scary to think what type of uh, driver Kyle Larson is going to be in the next couple of years. Move over Chase Elliott. I know Chase probably feels like, you know, big boss man in the office there, you know, did him dirty, but uh, you don't, you don't, uh, you, you don't, in racing, you don't miss out on having a guy like Kyle Larson in your stable. That's what was so messed up about everything that, that happened in the, uh, in the past year with Kyle Larson uh, was the fact yeah. that this kid was destined to be in this ride, and he just had to take the long way around to get it. I've had people argue me for days upon days and months upon months and even years upon years on this here radio show saying that Kyle Larson was not ever going to race at Hendrick Motorsports, and, and, and he did, and he had to go the long way around to do it and uh, move over. We've seen how dominant he is in a sprint car. We've seen how dominant he is in a midget race car. You, you don't hear Tony Stewart winning all the dang races that he's in every weekend in his sprint car. You don't hear... You know, Tony Stewart getting out of a damn sprint car and jumping in a late model and finishing second in the world of outlaws. You don't hear Ricky Stenhouse do that. You don't hear uh, Casey Kane do that. That's how talented this race car driver is. Kyle Larson is as talented son of a bitch as they come. And I, and I got one more thing because I know we've got a guest coming on in just a second here. Um, uh, the Xfinity race. If I was Josh Berry, I would have put Al Gear to the wall. Al Gear has lived in a good Xfinity ride for five years, Josh Berry. For five years, this guy's rode around in a Cadillac. Josh Berry, you've been down in the slums racing late models. I ain't calling late model racers slums, but, you know, follow me here as I paint this picture, okay? So Josh Berry has been busting his ass in the minor leagues of racing, and then he gets the opportunity to go to junior motorsports. You know Justin Algier was going to race you the way that he was going to race you. But the reason that you didn't wreck him, Josh Berry, is because you're afraid that it's going to spoil your next opportunity. But I thought that, you know, if, if you didn't finish, uh, if you didn't win the race, at least you finished in the top three. He finished in the top three. I believe he got uh, somebody got down there at the last. But when Algier made that pass, Josh Berry should have thought uh, about what he because look Justin he's he's lived out a good career in the in the minor leagues in the you know Xfinity series he's got a championship with Junior Motorsports Josh Berry if you want to be in that ride next year uh, then I think the best thing for you to do to have done was to move Justin Algar and it's not because I picked you in my fantasy league but that probably had a lot to do with it. Uh, the one thing I want to point out with the Xfinity race is that 
uh, Gregson um, obviously got DQ'd. Uh, that kind of hurts him still with the bad luck going. Um, he, and with that, that takes him out of the eligibility to go for the next cash to cash race, which I believe is this weekend at Dover. I believe it's the final one. He would have won three in a row for dash for cash, but he got DQ'd and it's unfortunate. And Gregson, while he's highly aggressive, it's a, he's got, he's got some driving talent, but this year, just not his luck at all. No, not at all. Not at all. And, and, you know, it's, uh, bad luck shows its ugly head. Once again, I believe I had him for the dash for the cash and that would have given me extra bonus bonus points if he had gotten that. So I'm of course disappointed as well. Um, I think that, uh, you know, junior motorsports is going to push the issue until Noah Gresden can get, uh, into victory lane. And that's what they got caught doing this time. Uh, you know, uh, pushing the limits, I guess, so to speak. Uh, but, uh, definitely, the Xfinity race was far more exciting to watch uh, than the cup race. And, you know, the Xfinity series, whether it be the composite bodies where they can just bounce off the walls and keep on going, we've seen what would happen with just a little bit of a tire rub there uh, at Darlington in the cup cars. And that's something that I think with this new, the the next generation car that we're going to, you know, we're going to, the days, the days of age of, you know, dropping your tire because you scraped the wall a little bit or got into somebody's fender a little bit. I hope those days are over with. That's something that I would not necessarily miss. I'm going to miss seeing five lug nuts on the ground when they take off, but I'm not going to miss uh, the, 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 the dented fenders that uh, pop tires and, uh, uh, you know, ruin people's, ruin people's day. I mean, that, you know, those uh, Xfinity cars were bouncing off the wall and they were still able to keep on going. That's what it's all about. So, like I, I said in my opening dialogue, uh, Taz, I don't know if people enjoy the wrecks or not, but what I consider an exciting race is when I can see multiple restarts. I would much rather see that restart with maybe a pop tire or a blown motor than I would a wreck. But but it's definitely more exciting when you have those restarts, right? I mean, you got guys side by side. They're taking off. They're going to give everything they got. And so when the race gets like what you said with the cup race where, you know, you got, you know, Martin Truex's 14-second lead on the whole field, that, that race is not very entertaining. <laughs> uh, so you want to caution. You want to see uh, the field stacked back up. Uh, I think we would have had a different outcome had we had a late caution there. Well, I don't mind if a, if a driver dominates a race. My thing is when it comes to broadcasting it, and this is where broadcast, watching a race on, on TV and watching a race live is two different things. Like, when you watch it on TV, you're expecting, like, good product, okay? The problem with what we're getting on TV that we're missing in some of these races is that the broadcasters are doing so much on the front runners. And if you have a driver like Truex that dominated last night, having a clinic of a race, making the making the field like they're standing still and he's on rails, it makes the race boring when you're focusing on him. Like, 
put it on somebody that's battling for fifth or if there's a three-car battle for 25th, and those guys are all two laps down, and they're fighting to stay two laps down. Like, I'm okay with that. Like, towards the end, after Kyle Larson just gave it all, they're saying, oh, look, Tyler Reddick and Ryan Newman are battling to stay on the lead lap. Like, like okay, cool, Truex is coming up to them, but th- now we have a product here because now not only is Truex catching up to them trying to figure out how to get around them, knowing that Kyle Larson's close by, but you're seeing Tyler Reddick and Ryan Newman slice and dice for not only position, but to stay in the lead lap. Like, that's yeah, product. Right. That's what I want to see. On, and, of course, when you watch a race live, you're watching anything that you see. Like, for me, for instance, like, I'm an official, so, like, I'm going to like keep my eyes open everywhere, but I'm also going to watch where the race is at. So, like, for, so at Fondo, if Stuart Friesen is there and he gets the lead, you can kiss that one goodbye because Stuart Friesen's usually gone on a clinic like Truex did this week, piss, or this past weekend. But I'm going to watch a battle for like third or fourth between two guys who are in pretty decent equipment but have no match for uh, Stewie. And I would rather watch that than watch the leader just take off and have a rocket ship day. So a, a guy who's been on a hell of a streak as well, I think that's not gotten very much publicity, uh, is William Byron's 10 top 10 finishes in a row. Uh, the guy is uh, Mr. Consistency right now. And I think Mike Joy nailed most of the broadcast, Taz. Like you said, he nailed most of the, on the throwbacks. Uh, he, you know, he was he was on it, man. He knew you know, each paint scheme and what it was for. Uh, but Clint and Jeff Gordon, they, they, this was the broadcast where they didn't really gel too well together. Um, Clint was basically, I guess there's been some backroom to talk between Jeff and Clint, and Jeff Gordon's tried to make Clint Boyer a little insecure, playing head games with them or something, maybe making him feel a little insecure about how he's calling races and stuff. And, it just it just seemed that they were a little bit off cue this weekend, but there again, Mike Joy's most of the most of the time the guy that's that, that that's off cue. Uh, my takeaway from this race was this was Mike Joy's uh, one good weekend <laughs> because he he really made the the broadcast uh, enjoyable, knowing uh, each of the especially the story about Marty Robbins in that that uh, that that paint scheme on the eight car that I believe was uh, Tyler Reddick. Um, <laughs> that, that the car was painted those colors. And the reason why, I, did y'all get that? Did y'all hear the story on that? Which one is this? The Marty Robbins paint scheme, the, the, the Tyler Reddick throwback. The purple or pink or whatever and yellow. Oh, oh uh, yeah, yeah. I, I remember Mike Joy said, why did you have those two colors together? Those are about the two ugliest colors in the world. And Marty Robbins said, look, I only do this part-time, and I only come to the plate races. So I want to make sure that any driver that's coming up to me knows who the hell I am. So, in other words, don't have any expectations and be very careful because this is the car of the guy that doesn't really belong out here but has a good time doing it. And uh, I thought that that was a pretty hilarious story given by by Mike Joy. 
And, and I looked through the news thread, Taz, and I just really uh, update on the guests that we have not had a guest come into the studio. So uh, we'll keep on rolling with this segment uh, as we get closer to the Dirt Talk segment uh, coming up at the top of the hour. Still no word from Craig Moore. Uh, I guess uh, he might have gotten. He, uh, he has he might have technical uh, problems from last week. Yeah, yeah, he, he he wasn't in the best of mood earlier today either. So, um, but uh, hopefully he'll get him some rest, and we'll hear from him next week. So, uh, Kaz Grala, obviously he had a good uh, a good run. Uh, do you know about that good run, or I guess that was the Kellogg team, right? Um. Yeah, gr- yeah. Growl races for colleague, I believe. I know right. the Cup full time, and I think he's colleague. Yeah. Yeah, and I believe if I remembered right, he's racing the remainder of the colleague Cup races that they're scheduled to race except for one. I don't remember which one that is. It might be a road course that Almendinger might be driving in. So I don't know if we've even talked much about them going cup racing, but they are scheduled to go cup racing next year. I believe I might have said it already that I think A.J. Almendinger, without a doubt, would be the guy to put into that race car uh, if, if by chance you do go cup racing. It is still in the talks of junior motorsports possibly going uh, Cup racing in 2022. Uh, it's very doubtful, I believe, that this will happen. I think that Junior will partnership with somebody and eventually tie into a charter system uh, with a developmental driver, possibly a Josh Berry, giving him a couple of Cup starts, uh, similar to the way Tommy Baldwin Racing used to be ran uh, when they wanted a driver uh, like Ron Blaney who had brought, had brought a little bit of funding, got his uh, debut uh, with Tommy Baldwin Race. I don't know if anybody remembers that. Actually, Ryan Blaney started his career, his cup career, uh, with Tommy Baldwin Racing, along with Alex Bowman, I believe. Alex Bowman uh, was one of the uh, Tommy Baldwin's project kids as well. Um, the underdog, once again, this past weekend was a fight between Daniel Suarez no, it, doesn't, it wasn't Bubba Wallace. So we said Bubba Wallace's name one time. We should uh, we should get a round of applause. Uh, uh, can I can I do, can we? Um, oh, there, there there it is. Yeah, there's a round of applause. We said his name, right? I mean, we get brownie points for that, right? I mean, I I hope we get brownie points for that. So, uh, but uh, the, definitely the underdog of the race was between Daniel Suarez and uh, Eric Jones. I think Eric Jones had a pretty good run. I think he's doing a lot with a lot less. Uh, but also, uh, Daniel Suarez had a hell of a run as well. Uh, as a matter of fact, a few times we've seen him uh, break the top ten uh, in this race. Yeah. Do you have any comments on either one of those? Um, yeah, I'll, we can comment on this for a bit before we get into I want to touch brief on another series with some news that came out in the past week, too. But, uh, and also next gen, if we want to top top that one as well. Um, Suarez, I think the alliance for Trackhouse with RCR is paying dividends. Um, 
we all thought, oh, he may be a mid-tier team because RCR is mid-tier. And I have said this numerous times. RCR, after our cup veterans left there, um, was kind of on a slump. Austin Dillon was the next young guy to come in. And I think with him paired up to a veteran, and nothing against Ryan Newman, I just think Ryan Newman at, right now is kind of on a downhill for the end of his career, and it's just a matter of when is he going to actually end it. Um, I think for Austin, he kind of needed someone that had the same drive as him. And we tried Daniel Hemrick, and Hemrick I don't think was just ready for it. And so we got Tyler Reddick. And obviously Reddick with two Xfinity Cup titles and how hungry he is to run well week in, week out, regardless of if it's a win or not, Tyler Reddick's got drive and he's got the urgency to get up there. And Austin Dillon um, now has the urgency to compete now and run with Tyler Reddick in there. So I think uh-huh. with those two, and of course Daniel Suarez finally getting, um, finally getting something for himself, uh, it's kind of paying dividends for Trackhouse. So Suarez running pretty well is actually, um, it's great to finally see him get to where I think a lot of people expected him to be. I just think he got rushed in need of time. And in terms of Eric Jones, we knew he had the talent. The problem was Joe Gibbs and Toyota had so much young talent lined up. It was just a matter of who are they getting rid of and when, because we all knew Christopher Bell was coming up. And when Bell took over Levine's 95, it was only a matter of time that Bell was going to hop into Joe Gibbs' car. And unfortunately, Eric Jones is the one that got the boot because the other three were doing their jobs to Gibbs' expectations. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Eric Jones with the 43 right now, he's doing a lot better than, I would say, he's, maybe he's, I, I would say he's doing better than in the 43 that we have seen since maybe Almarola was in it. But I think Jones may be outperforming in the 43 now than when Almarola was in that 43. Yes, this was, this was a top 25 car with Bubba Wallace and possibly go back as far as Eric Amarola. Maybe Eric Amarola was more in the top 20 side, maybe top 22 side, I believe. But what uh, Eric Jones has done is he's put this car in the top 20 week in, week out. And, and that's, uh, you know, you look at Tyler Reddick, the best finishing car out of the RCR stable uh, with a 12th place finish. Then Austin Dillon with 16th place finish. Eric Jones, uh, with an 18th place finish, and Daniel Suarez, a 23rd place finish, which I, I think something happened on a pit stop or something that got Suarez's team uh, back behind the ball again. Uh, or uh, I expected it to be a little bit better finished than what they they actually finished with. Um, I'm not sure if it was mechanical or, or what happened there. He finished two laps. Uh, I guess he finished three laps down. Uh, so something, something happened there. He was... Uh, uh, six cars away from men. So even Matt Diamondetto, who finished 19th, was still uh, damn damn near three laps down. 
Matter of fact, the only people that finished on the on the lead lap were the top eleven cars. Uh, we can talk about Busher and Ron Newman uh, because those guys have done a lot of good with the with Les this year. Our, our Roush is finally digging themselves out of a, a deep hole. But I do want to mention something about Tyler Reddick because you mentioned him as well. This guy went to an organization that hadn't seen any success in a very long time other than, you know, a, a fuel mileage win by Austin Dillon and a Daytona 500 win that was, you know, he had to dump the, he had to dump Eric Camarola to get it. Uh, Tyler Reddick has made this team competitive. Week in, week out, we talk about Tyler Reddick. And nobody seems to uh, realize that this kid is only in his second year, second year at the cup level. Uh, Tyler is it's a handful of talent, and I also cannot got wait to see. Also of the year. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Cole Custer got the win, so, you know, he was. But, you know, look, we all know Dale Jr. had a better rookie season than Matt Kenseth, too, right? You know, Matt Kenseth's got a win. Dale Jr., I think, got one win. He, I know he won the all-star race, uh, but I think a win at Texas was uh, Dale Jr.'s only win. Matt Kenseth may have come up with two wins or something. We know Dale Jr. was the better driver that year. Uh, but, you know, sometimes the favorites, they, they don't get, they, you know, it's some weird point system that they have with rookie of the year. Uh, I think NASCAR should have fixed that. Years ago, if they finished ahead of them in the standings, then they should definitely be the rookie of the year. Um, but Alex Bowman had a hell of a had a hell of a tough race. Was not expecting that. Was actually expecting a lot better finish uh, from him. But but surprise surprise, uh, here we are. Roush racing. We buried him. We put the dirt on top of him. And out of nowhere, uh, this year. Has not been too bad of a uh, of a year for Roush Fenway Race. Maybe just the rest of the competition stinks that much worse. What what is it, Taz? Is it is it is it that Childress and Roush are getting better, or is it really the fact that mostly from 20th on back, those cars are pretty damn pathetic? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, Busher all had success with Roush in the Xfinity days. Um, I think it just took him a little bit. I think it just took him a year to kind of adjust to uh, JTG Chevy and going back to Roush Ford. So it, just to give him a year to adjust. Newman's been there for a bit. Um, we all know we all know Ryan Newman. We've seen what he can and can't do. And in terms of RCR, they just needed to find the right drivers for them, and they have it now with Reddick hopping in. I think they had – I think Austin Dillon coming in for RCR is a good move, but I think they just needed a second young talent urgency that was that was needed to help the team rejuvenate itself, and Reddick was that guy. So, and of course, a lot of the teams in the back, um, of course, they're going to be like, and I don't mean any harm to these teams at all. I mean, they're working with what they have for as much money as they have. Um, Teams, for the most part, like Rick Ware fielding three, four cars a week. 
Um, they always sit in the back of the pack. You have Spire um, with the 77 car, not the strongest equipment car. Corey LaJoy trying to make the best of what he can in that second car. And I know Spire is all in on Corey LaJoy because obviously the 77 car is basically for drivers needing to get their feet wet in the Cup Series. Um, and then you have the MBM and the Gaunt Brothers teams. And it just comes down, and I don't think that for a second they don't have the drivers in the they don't have the driving talent in the cars. It's just a matter of they don't have the money to be running um, up there with everyone else because they don't have as much money as everyone else. And that's not to anyone's doing. It's just how things Right. You there? Did we lose you? Pass? Taz Taylor. And to further his point, um, my goodness, I wonder where he went. He has fallen out of the studio. So we have lost Taz Taylor. All right. There he is. He's back. Hello? Yeah, I got you back in there. All right. But, yeah, it, it's just where the funding comes in and stuff like that. So it it's not the driver talent because we, we all see – I mean, I know not a lot of people watch it, but for those that do, if you watch the iRacing stuff, think of it this way. The sim racing that they have on there and how the cars are originally set up, everyone's basically on the same level. And we're seeing the Rick Ware racing. We're seeing the MBM guys running mm-hmm. up front that we're not used to seeing on the real track. So right. obviously they can run up there. It's just a matter of when it comes to the real-life thing, they don't have the proper equipment to run as fast as everyone else. Right, and, and I think that the next-gen car, this, this generational car that's coming out, will shorten that gap, so to speak. And I and I hope that it does. I hope, you know, if, if Rick Ware is going to invest into this next generation car that they have, you know, they're able to get all the parts that it needs to be competitive each week. I'm not saying that they're just going to all of a sudden start showing up uh, with uh, with top five cars every weekend. But, uh, you know, the, the day and age of seeing Ken Schrader uh, finish, you know, a top five or top ten or Bill Davis racing, you know, a car that gets a win occasionally. Even, you know, Richard Petty. I mean, the, they talked a lot about the uh, the Don Andretti Martins will win this past weekend. Uh, you know, back then, those cars that were not necessarily the top the top dogs, they, they did have certain races where there, there was a chance. Even Kyle Petty was able to win a few races in his career, right? We just don't see that these days, and we don't see uh, races that, that, that lead to an unexpected winner. It basically, as I've found in my fantasy league, it's really the top 12 drivers. If you're going to win, you're going to be within that top 12 range. If not, then it's going to take a Talladega, 
or possibly a road course uh, to get you there. And these days, it's, you could put the most talented road course guy in a car, and I'm just not sure if he if he has what it takes to win based off of uh, what these uh, cup cars that have plenty of funding what what they what they have in their car. Obviously, better brake systems, better setups, better uh, tech, uh, better uh, 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 books to work from, you know, uh, data data sheets and stuff. Uh, but uh, you know, if you were to have all forty cars competitive amongst each other, Taz Taylor, we would have a a, a damn near perfect uh, racing league. And I, I just don't see that that's going to actually be possible. Corey LaJoy, you, you mentioned his name. He got a 22nd place finish. Uh, not not too shabby uh, for Corey LaJoy. And uh, as you said, I believe their second team is just kind of a way to help fund the first team a little bit better. But you said that you had a couple of things that you wanted to get into real quick, Tess. Yeah, um, I know in a few minutes we're going to have uh, Kyle Dingman come on at 9 o'clock for about 10, 15 minutes here as we come up to our local racing segment. Um, and then about 9.15, we're going to have uh, Chris's special guest come on for about 10, 15 minutes as well, talk about some racing down south. Um, and then we can touch base on it um, before we get our picks in for within the last uh, 10, 15 minutes of the show. Um, SRX has announced their race format for this summer and their point structure. Um, they're going to run base, essentially two heat races and a feature race. So kind of uh, does their local short track flair in there. Um, with someone saying, someone uh, mentioned earlier this year to the press that they're looking into more of a kind, kind of like a timed endurance race in a way. Well, that's their heat races, uh, two 15-minute heat, ra- 15 minute heat races. And, of course, the feature race will be 100 laps or – um, the only race that will be more than 100 laps is at Slinger. That's 150 laps. The leader will get the white flag next time by, and that will end the heat race. Um, we'll get into f- more further details and stuff like that after our local half-hour segment. But, um, like, I, like I said, they have some short track flair coming in. Um, right now, as far as we still know, they have, 12, they have 11 cars with drivers, a 12 car, we don't know who's in it, but everyone kind of sees the photos and media things in the background uh, with the Biff, Greg Biffle. But, of course, they haven't announced that yet. They have announced Haley Deegan, but I would assume Haley Deegan will be driving the local racers, um, the local racer, all-star, whatever you want to call that, uh, car for Nashville, being that the series has announced their local driver for each track except for Nashville. and I, So I want to believe that Haley Deegan will probably be drive, racing in the Nashville race for that uh, squadron. And, of course, this 12th car, we have no clue of who the driver is, but we're pretty confident it could be Greg Biffle. Greg Biffle was in the broadcast this past weekend. I think we, uh, I think we missed that on the truck series side. And did we say who won the truck race? Um, I believe I don't Sheldon even remember Creed. who won. Sheldon Creed. I, I believe who, Sheldon Creed won the truck race. 
who also threw off Marcus Lamonis for a low ball offer, basically fifteen grand to put Camping World on the side of the on the side of the race truck. He denied uh, sponsorship to Marcus, saying that they were not going to uh, put themselves at a lower standard, being that uh, they have such a good race truck. The GMS is struggling; they need sponsorship help, and I don't, I'm not sure for how much longer GMS is going to be able to build these race trucks without proper funding coming in. Um, it is tough to turn away sponsorship, but if Marcus is preying on those who are weak uh, for free publicity or for you know bottom basically bottom dollar publicity then I think that will backfire eventually on Marcus. And that uh, text or that post that I shared, uh, the tweet, uh, Dev, how did, how did you react to that, Taz? I mean, do you think that uh, there's some possibly low-balling going on here uh, with Marcus? Or do you think that, uh, I mean, you don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? I mean, if you're having to pay 15 grand here and 15 grand there and 15 grand there, well, you, you know, basically – he is forking out uh, a large spon- amount of sponsorship money, uh, but it's just uh, been cut into enough pieces for everybody to have. W- w- what do you think after you read that tweet? What, what was your reaction to that? Um, I'll get this in quick, and we're hoping maybe Kyle Dingman's called in here in the he studio. Is. All right. So I'll get this in quick, and then we'll get Kyle in. Um Lamonis, I don't think he's really lowballing anything. I think he's just helping drivers without sponsorship. You know, get sponsorship out there. Um, I mean, fifteen grand is fifteen grand. I mean, a lot of these drivers are going to take it. But for Sheldon Creed coming off a championship season, I kind of understand in a way why he doesn't want fifteen grand. Like he feels like he's worth more than that. And, I, and like I said, coming off a championship season, I kind of, I kind of feel for the guy. I mean, if you're only going to offer fifteen grand. After I came off a championship season, I think that's a little bit of a low ball pay. But for the most part, I mean, a lot of these drivers are saying, okay, well, 15 grand gets a sponsorship. I don't have to worry about sponsorship now for the race, which is gr- very helpful and great. Right. Right. But if you're going to go up to caliber drivers like Sheldon Creed, you're going to have to pay a little bit more than a dime. Or, or give them fifteen thousand worth of sponsorship, whether that be on the tailgate or, or what you know, whatever. Uh, but you know, basically not wrapping the whole truck in a Camping World, uh, Truck Series paint scheme. But we're gonna move right along. Uh, we uh, would normally take a break here for uh, sponsorship reasons, but we're gonna we're gonna skip that break and we're gonna t- bring in our guest, Taz Taylor. If you'll introduce our guest and uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on. Yeah, so this past weekend at Fonda Speedway, another week of racing action, and our guest for the next 10, at most 15 minutes we have, is a first-time winner at Fonda Speedway. He won his first race in the limited sportsman division. Last year, he was the uh, track champion for the senior wing champs at Kroger Creek Race Park. And we are going, glad to welcome in Kyle Dingman. Kyle, do we have you there, bud? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Well, Kyle, it seemed like I wasn't there Saturday due to uh, some Mother's Day plan for the weekend, but I was watching uh, the live 
scored there, and you seem to put on a clinic um, uh, during the feature. It, it was over eight second lead. Uh, kind of progress of um, how that race went before we kind of get into uh, your career a bit. Yeah, um, you know, we started uh, second on the outside pole. Um, we took the lead coming down the front stretch going into one, and it was pretty much never looked back from there. Um, you know, we had the car dialed in really good. It was really fast. It handled well. Um, and honestly, the whole time, I didn't even know I had that big of a lead. I was uh, I was just pedaling and um, and then um, on taking coming to take the white flag, we ended up getting a puff of white smoke, and uh, we blew a radiator hose in half and ended up losing a motor. But it, I would take the win over a motor any day of the week. <laughs> now this is yours second year of big car racing am i right uh yeah i got about 13 races in last year with the weird season we had with the covid and stuff we had uh six total limited races though at fonda last year so we're kind of up to about 10 races now with the limited class at fonda and we uh ran one regular sportsman race last year at fonda and then the one race we didn't qualify for at the end of the year so um we're still kind of limited with experience, but we're we're starting to pick things up pretty quick. Now, last year being your first year, what, was there any real expectations, or were you just kind of going for the ride, see what you had, and kind of go from there? What was what was that kind of like? Um, when when we first got the car, you know, we didn't we didn't really pinpoint any expectations. It was a whole completely different ball game. Um, and then about halfway through the season when we were, you know, inside the top five in points, you know, we were like, oh, wow, you know, like we, when we had some good runs and towards the end of the year, you know, our expectations started to pick up some and we were close winning over at Malta once. And, um, and then, like I said, we were sitting in the top five in points at Fonda and we ended up coming home third in points at Fonda last year for our first year. So that was that was pretty cool and with no expectations really behind us on, you know, you got to go out and win or we kind of just learned as we went slowly. And, you know, we started at the rear to try not to be in anyone's way. And, you know, we just learned from the back and just picked up things and learned as we went. Going from after having our season that you, that you had last year, um, obviously you ran carts on top of the big car and I'm pretty sure that was uh pretty busy for you, but how what kind of expectations after running last year, uh given the number of races you uh you ran because of the COVID, um, what kind of expectations were you looking at this year? Was a was at least a win in the in the drawing book to accomplish this year like what are what are some of the things you're looking forward to um to nap for 2021 that you have already accomplished or you're looking at accomplishing but you're working towards that um you know coming into the season we kind of had a couple expectations you know we we wanted to get the first win out of the way um you know and um 
since like now we um after this past weekend we had jumped up into fourth in points. I think we're like 22 points out of the points lead now, and um, I feel like our expectations are rising. But at the same time, I'm gonna um, just keep a level head and um, just keep working in and out, you know, week after week, and um, hopefully the results show. And you're looking at racing Utica Rome as well on Friday night. Um. Yeah. Um. We were, we're, we're planning on running Utica right now with, um, you know, blowing up a motor. We, uh, I'm actually really appreciative of having someone lend me a motor to use until we're actually able to replace our motor. Um, but I just, I'm, I'm really appreciative for that. I couldn't even thank that guy enough for what he did. And, um, but, We'd, we'd like to still try and run Utica on Friday nights. I mean, we might miss the first couple of weeks now, seeing that we're going to be waiting for our own personal motor. So I uh, I don't really want to use up someone's motor more than I have to already. And um, But I'm sure we'll be out to Utica um, in a few weeks. Um, we'd still like to try and run over at Albany, Saratoga a night or two. Um, we really enjoyed the atmosphere over there, and it was a really nice racetrack to race on. Um, we don't, we have Glenridge in mind. I mean, we have a couple of different tracks to, you know, maybe try maybe towards the end of the year, just as, you know, just to go get some more racing in. But as of right now, we're kind of fully focusing on Fonda at this point. Um, then we would definitely like to add in Utica back into our program here in the next couple of weeks. But other than that, we're, we're just waiting to get our, own personal motor again. Well, Kyle, glad you came on. Uh, before we let you go, do you want to plug in any sponsors you got to thank and everyone else that's helped you get up to where you are? Um, definitely. Um, I got to thank all my sponsors, uh, Early Birds Diner, E&J General Contracting, um, Foxtrot RC Park, James Wells, uh, Fast Line Performance, Bottle Tops and Can Drops, uh, N3 Motorsports, um, my crew, they're down working in the shop right now, getting this other motor in the car, my uncle, uh, my cousin, and my buddy Colin. Um, so, you know, that's always good to have, you know, people willing to help at any time. Um, these guys have really stuck through. I mean, we've had a pretty tough going the first few weeks this year blowing up in practice and stuff. So it's really cool to have these guys stick by me through these times. And we're going to keep pushing forward. Um, yeah, I got to thank my mom and my dad for all their support. Uh, my stepdad, Mark, he helps out a ton. Um, Chad Edwards, Rocky Warner for all their uh, setup advice and, you know, just me nitpicking their brain about certain things. And um, I just, there's so many people behind it and, I'm just so thankful for it all. Well, Kyle, again, thank you for coming on. Congrats on that first win. And uh, hopefully we'll try to get you back on for maybe something like this again, see how your season went turned out uh, towards the end. And uh, hopefully more wins and more success comes out of it. Thank you, Taz. I really appreciate that. All righty. Chris, do we have you back on here, bud? Yeah, that's me. I'm here. 
Uh, that awesome, awesome, good deal. Really enjoyed that part of the segment. Um, so this past weekend, uh, we were at Why Not Motorsports Park uh, in the 604 late model class. Monte Skinner come out. He won his heat race, and boy, in dominant fashion. He got the pole, won the heat race, and in dominant fashion, the red-headed stepchild from Sarah Land, Alabama, took home the win in a double-zero capital race car. Jamie Bolin had a great run. He finished, uh, I believe, second. Uh, in the uh, in the field, um, so this is supposed to be event information in the 602 series. Uh, back in victory lane, the Old Man Motorsports, Bill Moffat Motorsports, the number 87, driven by Why Not's very own Tody Ratcliffe, found his way into victory lane. Uh, of course, this is the 602 Crate Race in USA Sportsman Late Model Class with the steel headed. 300 horsepower uh, Chevy block motor, uh, aluminum, uh, steel headed block, I should say. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was the uh, 602s, I believe, a close second place finish. Uh, don't, don't hold me on that one. I can't really remember. On the street stock side, boy, oh, boy. Lee Ray had a very interesting race, very aggressive in the first part of the race. I feel like he probably um, knew that he was at fault with the uh, contact made with Matt Byram that put Matt Byram, uh, that sent him into the wall very hard. Uh, but Lee Ray did not get called on the caution, was able to re- retain the lead even after falling back at the back of the field. Uh, the, the call was not made, so he got his spot back, which is something that's controversial in our neck of the woods. I don't believe in getting your spot back. Uh, if you're in an incident, I believe that if you were involved in an incident, you should go to the rear. Uh, no fault is always my favorite. I do not like the fault rule. Uh, but that's me. So uh, Lee Ray was uh, able to um, take home the victory in the street stock side. The factory stock side was a hell of a battle between three cars. Um, Brett Etheridge. Uh, Blake McNeil and Chris Reeves. Chris Reeves and the Alan Green special uh, was able to come home for his second victory in a row, but it was not without controversy. There was a wreck on the last lap up in turn four, I believe, by, uh, I don't want to call the wrong name, a a car that was not uh, in contention, spun out up in turn four. As the checkered flag was coming out, there was a side-by-side door-to-door battle between Chris Reeves in the 420 car and Blake McNeil in that Project X number three. Uh, of course, Blake McNeil backed out of the gas. Chris Reeves took home the victory, uh, giving him two in a row, two wins for the season. In the hot shot class, we didn't have the four cars in Hatfield. Well, there was still no McCoy. So Blake Hatfield in the double zero out of Selma, Alabama, come home victorious in the hot shot four-cylinder class. Uh, we need some guys, some more guys showing up. Also, in kind of a short field of cars, we had six cars for our open-wheel modified class. But I tell you what, the story of the race was young gun Chase Holland, fresh back from Bristol, Tennessee. Uh, this kid's been racing a couple of years in the modified class, but this time when he showed up at the House of Hook, he knew what he was doing. 
All night long, we were waiting to see if cars would go up to the top and race the hook the way it's supposed to be raced. A lot of bottom uh, racing has been going on since we put the new track surface out onto the racetrack. Let me tell you something. Uh, Chase Holland has big balls, obviously, because he got up there in the marbles, and he made uh, a cushion of his own. He, 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 he knocked, the, knocked the marbles back even further. He got up on the high side. He hung it out. He uh, he looked like uh, he had been winning at that racetrack for a long time. He put a pretty good butt whooping on some darn good cars uh, in the field with Toby Hodge, uh, Cash Wilson, and Robert Cassida out of Petal, Mississippi. Uh, so it, definitely a hard-fought win. Once again, guys, our stands look pitiful. Uh, they need. We need more people. We need more people in the stands. We need more people excited about dirt track racing. But um, I've got a guy that's coming on right now from Southern Dirt Track Report, and you're talking about a guy who's pumped up about racing, who will get everybody else pumped up about racing. There is uh, nothing more amusing than uh, seeing somebody with a lot of uh, passion. And uh, this guy right here, Jared Hudson, who I've got coming on. Jared, can you hear me? Yes, sir. What's going on? Man, waiting on you to come on, man. Uh, so this is a new segment that we kind of started with. This is a continuation continuation of, a, of something that we started uh, with Taz Taylor uh, giving us updates about the northern region. Of course, I come on and probably give more of a bitch session than I think I, I should. Uh, but uh, So we've decided to integrate and bring in people who are uh, excited about racing, and want to talk about it, obviously, which y'all do over at Southern Dirt Track Report. Y'all give a lot of a lot of information to a lot of people, and uh, we want to give y'all the same opportunity uh, to do that through the 110 Nation, of course, Race Chat Live. There, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Mr. Jared Hudson. Now, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, you, you, you got a special catchphrase, and I want to hear it, Jared Hudson. What, what what what's your special catchphrase? Because this is how we're gonna start it out. You're gonna keep it what? Uh, rated R for racing. Rated R for racing. I love it. Jared Hudson, tell us about <laughs> where you were at this weekend. Tell us about where you were at this weekend and what all you got to see, man. So I was at Tri County Speedway <laughs> over in the Redneck community of Pollard, Alabama, and uh, right outside of Flomaton. Pretty close to uh, the old Flomaton Speedway, they shut down, and got to go watch uh, some racing there. And they put on an awesome show over there at uh, Tri County Speedway. They call it the Swamp, <clears throat> and it was a lot of a lot of good racing up there. That a lot of uh, they got several divisions up there, the Bomber class. Uh, they have uh, this year they uh, started last year. They started running the Stinger division, which is the four cylinders, and then let's see what are the classes. They got UMP modifieds, 602 Crate Racing USA, 604s. They have Street Stock, uh, Pure Stock, and the Junior Slingshots, which is the kids division. And the Bomber class was the biggest division this weekend. They had they had so many bomber cars, they had to run two features, an A main and a B main, and they had 20 bombers. So they split the class up, Jared? They ran 10 and 10? Yes. Okay. 
and I'll, and in which what now? Well, I just I mean a full field of cars for most of us is twenty two cars. I, I'm not understanding why why they ran two separate classes there. And I, I didn't really ask, to be honest with you. Uh, but but it was. It was on. It was some good racing. I will say that. I, I've never. Oh, I've seen the bombers race a lot. And I've never seen. Uh, to my knowledge, I don't ever remember seeing twenty cars, and and so that was unusual how they did that. And uh, I didn't. I didn't ask. But uh, they oh, had, said the bombers. Tell us what type of car the bombers are, because that we may be misunderstanding what type of car that is. Is is that like a pure street car? Does that have the double, the dual driver, the driver that's pushing the gas and the Guy who's, who's doing well, the steering wheel. What what class is this? Well, okay, so the Bombers, it started at Tri-County, and some other tracks used to run them, but then they changed it. But the Bombers, you go to a junkyard, pick up a car, and it's got to be a Chevrolet 350 or whatever the Ford equivalent is. I guess a Dodge will be a 360 uh, Dodge motor and so or Mopar. And then just whatever car that's equivalent to a 350, and then you got your Ford, Crown Vicks, and so forth, your metric cars, and and you have to run everything stock except for you can run racing wheels, and everything else has to be stock, stock motor. You can't do a whole lot of uh, upgrades as far as that goes. It's the cheapest and economical class to get into besides a stinger car. Wow, and they had 20 cars of these show up. Yes, and it's whenever Tri County started it, they started a class about three or four years ago, something like that. I don't remember the exact date, but they had for a while there they had one car. And I'm talking about for three races they had one car, and then and then they started and then they, and then it was two cars for several races, and then by the end of the season they had about eight to ten cars, and they were getting pretty good, and then it just kept building, 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 and then now the class is so big that they. Um, uh, Tri-County Speedway works with Mr. Scott Sessions over at Northwest Florida Speedway. So whenever Tri-County Speedway is not racing, Northwest Florida races, and they try to support each other. And so all the bombers will go to Northwest Florida Speedway and race over there for points. And so the class is really growing, and I encourage anybody who wants to get in the class. It's cheap, economical. I know several drivers that drive in it. And it's a it's a very fun class. Uh, I love watching the bombers race. And then and then one thing cool about Tri County is when the bombers come out, a lot of times they'll play the Sanford and Son theme song. So that's <laughs> classic. <laughs> oh wow! Because <laughs> <laughs> every time, like I won't ever forget it. It was several times last year and the year before. The bomber class would come out, and, and you hear over the loudspeaker, you hear the Sanford Sun theme song, and the announcer's like, "Well, here comes the bombers." <laughs> <laughs> right, the old the old scrap metal pal, huh? Yeah, but I mean, look, but the fans are entertained by that class, right? And that's that's what a lot oh, yes. of racing is missing these days is is all the seriousness, all the money being pumped into it. It's uh, it, you know, it's similar to what I said about the Blake McNeil and uh, Alan and and uh, Chris Chris Reeves incident. At why not? Chris Reeser's driving a car that that uh, you know he's a driver for a race team, and Blake McNeil's driving a twenty thousand dollar you know uh, uh, factory stock car. Well, the reason why Chris mm-hmm. Reeser won is because Blake McNeil didn't want to tear up a twenty thousand dollar race car, and so uh, that you know that, right. that's uh, you know a lot of times money changes things and it changes how people race and it changes the amount of fun that they're having. But this bomber class, which I didn't know anything about until you come on just now. 
uh, is obviously something that the, that's gotten the fans excited and the drivers as well. Yes. And in fact, oh, I've got several pictures of the bomber cars. Uh, one of the guys, the guy I'm friends with, uh, PJ Dickerson, he drove a bomber for a while. He had a Ford Crown Vic, and he would go up when they raced him at Deep South Speedway. He would go up there and wax the field because that Ford Crown Vic's got a strong motor in it. And then, and then I know another guy that I, I love talking to. His name was Thomas Davis, and he drove the bomber class for two years, and he had the old Richard Petty throwback car. Had the STP red and blue, and had 43 on the side, and then he won the championship. I believe it was last season at Tri County. And some of these cars, they'll take them and they'll throw them back to to famous drivers. Like one of them was the old Skull Bandit car, and Robert Presley drove it. Uh, Harry Gant, and then you had uh, Kenny Schrader drove that paint scheme, so that's really cool to see. Yeah, yeah and you, you're 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 a guy that knows a lot about NASCAR, big NASCAR fan yourself, right? And uh, so you've been around oh, the I've been, tracks here for a few years. Yes, and I was I was born into NASCAR. Like I'm a NASCAR nerd. I watch all the races, and then I got into the dirt track side about seven eight years ago or something like that. And I've been hooked ever since. And then I, and then one of my really good friends, Artie, who runs the Southern Dirt Track Port, asked me after uh, I went to the Hornet's Nest at uh, Little Talladega Short Track, asked me if I would join his team. And I joined his team, and I've been on there ever since. And I love love volunteering with Dirt Track. And then I'm also a photographer, too, so I take a lot of photography pictures at races. And, and you don't really get much pay for this at all, do you, do you, Jared? You you do this for the for the passion of the sport. Yes, I do. I yeah, because some of their track reports all volunteer. We want to get it to where maybe one day we can have some sponsors, and we can do it full time for a living. That would be awesome. That would be my dream job. But unfortunately, that that's not may not happen. But who knows? You know, it's it's up to God on that. But. Right. And I just love volunteering, and 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 you know we provide a great service where, like all our volunteers, everybody has their own strength. Like mine is, I love videoing, but I don't have enough space on my phone, so I just take pictures of my photography camera, and then I'm good at driver interviews and sharing sharing stuff on Facebook because I'm super good on social media, and then and then some people you know may not be good at none of that. Some people may be just good at sharing. And so we're looking for any volunteers at any of the tracks we cover. And if somebody just wants to post the winners for the night, you know, we'll be glad to have that. And then another thing we want to eventually do is uh, I already talked about having a magazine for dirt track racing to advertise all the local tracks and upcoming races and stuff. <clears throat> right. And already does a little bit of a videography as well. When he goes to races, he's, he's a, uh, he proclaimed himself as a Hattiesburg Speedway home tracker. Uh, he, that That's is right. His home track, and uh, I tell you, I got a lot of love for that little short track down there in Hattiesburg, uh, Mississippi. If it wasn't for Mr. Donald Parker, um, your the whole Southern Dirt Track Report had not even crossed my mind about joining forces and giving y'all uh, an opportunity to be on and, and expand your leagues. Uh, so Mr. Parker is a big big time fan of you guys. Uh, he was the one that suggested to me that uh, I look into uh, bringing some diversity to the uh, to the show and, and a little bit more 
on the local side, considering that I just stay at Why Not, and that's kind of about as much a, of an update. But now you go to different tracks, mm. and Artie goes to different tracks. Now, are y'all ever at the same track at the same place, or do y'all try to make sure you go to different places? Uh, sometimes, sometimes we are, uh, but most of the time we go to different places. Like, like my tracks I cover is Deep South Speedway and then Tri County Speedway are my two. And then I also try to help Mr. Scott Sessions up there at Northwest Florida Speedway because I really think highly of him, and I love coming to Why Not, the House of Hook. I love coming there, and I think, you know, Chris is one of the coolest announcers. And then I haven't been to Hattiesburg yet, but uh, I did. Uh, I met Donald Parker. He's a super awesome guy. And then one of my really good friends is Ron Southern that does the announcing and track chaplain up there. And, and I like Ron, too. And... <clears throat> I tell you, Hattiesburg got blessed when I left Hattiesburg Speedway as the announcer there. I worked for Donald for four years and uh, fell into economic hard times, as so many people did during that stretch. And uh, I had to basically shut my operation down. And, you know, it, it was one of the hardest things to walk away uh, from, from Hattiesburg. But when, I, when Ron Southern took that job and has been able to do what he's been able to do with it, I never felt that uh, the the... the the uh that I didn't make the right decision and and Ron of course given the opportunity has gone so far with it and uh just uh, all the respect in the world uh for what he's able to bring to the table and 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 the skill set that he's brought uh to the racers and to the uh to the fans uh out of Hattiesburg Speedway he's done a great magnificent job I couldn't have appointed anybody better Mr. Parker really knows what he's doing down there at Hattiesburg Speedway guys oh yeah you haven't been down there uh, you need to get there and uh, and check out some of that racing. And when you when you pull into the gates, and Jared, I know you've not been there yet, but when you pull into the gates and you see that racetrack, the first thing it does is it reminds you of what <coughs> racing used to be like. And and you know just a a hole in the wall facility with a track service that <coughs> brings people far and wide. They love racing mm-hmm. on that little bitty short track. That bull ring is what they call it. And uh, it, it provides great racing. So uh, Tri County is a little bit of a flat track, right? And Deep South, they've they've done turn themselves into a super track. Let's let's go into that real quick uh, before we let you go okay. here, Jared. Uh, tell us a little bit okay. about the two tracks that you go to often, and what types of tracks they are, and really the types of racing that you get to see there. So 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 speaking of Tri County, it used to be super flat, and now they've added banking to it. Uh, the Day family is super good people. Isaiah and uh, his dad run it. And then, of course, Isaiah's mom, Marilyn, uh, works there too. And they, they, they've they added a little bit of banking there, and it's been really, really good racing there this season. Uh, and they did it over the off-season. And then Deep South Speedway up there, uh, Tara's a race announcer. And then you got uh, Mr. Billy Robertson is the owner and the track used to be four tenths mile, and I love big dirt tracks. Big dirt tracks, my favorite. And then they changed the size up to just a little above uh, three eighths mile. It's still big, but it's not as big as it was. And Mr. Billy went in and put in a whole new surface on the racetrack, and he's done a phenomenal job with that track. And built uh, a wall, put the lights up. I mean, this is an oh. incredible amount of renovation done in a very short period of time it was the track was a state-of-the-art facility 
but it had already been through so many <clears throat> owners and lack of maintenance and all. It really was not uh, what it is now. Now you walk into it and you think, man, this is damn near a, a brand new facility. <clears throat> oh, yes. And so people could easily think of Tri-County and Deep South, both of them. I, I might as well just call both of them the Cadillac of dirt tracks because they're two of the finest dirt tracks around. And like at Deep South, Miss Billy's done so much work to it. Uh, he runs a, a business called uh, Robertson Excavation where he does underground excavation and dirt work stuff. So he already knows his dirt stuff and how to work the surface. And the last race they had, I was there for the two-night Chandler Shaw Memorial, uh, the driver that passed away that I got to meet twice. And they had the, it was a Chandler Shaw Memorial Pure Stock Factory Stock Challenge. They did such an awesome job getting pre-registered cars and stuff for that race. They had 70 Pure Stocks and Factory Stocks for that race and pre-register. They had five more show up on that practice after the fact. So they had a total of 75 and they were going to take 24 for the feature. And then they ended up having, um, they ended up deciding to take 30 for the feature. So there was a lot of drivers that went home. We had Yankee drivers from up north come down. We had drivers from all over the south, as far as Louisiana, come up there. So, it, I mean, they did a good job with that race. Yeah, that was a big one. That, and it was uh, in honor of Chandler Shaw. So you were there for that race. Uh, yes. Both Slade basically dominated it. And took home the victory oh, he, driving the Chandler Shaw number 51. Yes, he, he kicked butt and took and hit him. Him and Tucker Bird were the, were the two best cars of the night. And there was a lot of Mississippi drivers that come up that were really, really good, uh, like Johnny Pinnell. Um, I think Blake McNeil was in it. It was a bunch of really good drivers. And Tucker Bird had to lead for two laps, I believe it was, um, and then Bo Slate took the lead. I, I think Tucker may have slipped up, and Bo took the lead, and he never looked back. And just to see, like, like when whenever Mitch was interviewing him, I was taking pictures, and he did donuts, and it was so cool, like, because Chandler Shaw was his best friend that passed away. So their whole family and Bo's family got on the track, and that was a that was a really cool, really cool thing to pay tribute to his friend that passed. <clears throat> An emotional victory for everyone uh, that that knew uh, Chandler Shaw and um, the unexpected uh, situation that happened. Um, so, uh, Jared, we've uh, talked a little <coughs> bit about Southern Dirt Track Report. Where can you find it at? Do you have a website? Uh, uh, who do you get a hold of to add content? Let's get all that rundown. Okay, cool. So we don't uh, have a website finished yet but Artie's looking to get one and if there's anybody that has a business that wants to sponsor the southern dirt track report let us know because we can advertise your business on our facebook just look us up southern dirt track report i think we have an instagram i don't use instagram but i believe we have that they can follow us on youtube we post our race videos on youtube so we'll have all our feature races there and then and Artie does most of the video filming since he's got a good phone and then he he puts a lot of the videos on our Facebook page too. We also have several other pages. We have a uh, photography page where I put all my photography shots. It's SDTR Photography, which is short for Southern Dirt Track Report. Then we have a, a group called Modified Mayhem for modified drivers. And then we have a Southern Dirt Track Report Heats page for all our heat races. 
and then we have an asphalt page for our asphalt, and we currently don't have anybody to cover the asphalt racing, but if there's anybody that would love to cover from Five Flags Speedway to Mobile or any asphalt track, let us know. And I can't think of the other pages we have, but those are the main ones. All right. And, and, and then they uh, can, so, so we're going to bring you guys on once a week. We're going to give you all about a 15-minute segment. Uh, when uh, I guess Artie can't come on, you'll come on. But uh, we we have uh, some future plans maybe to uh, get you guys settled into your own show if y'all like coming on here and talking about racing. Maybe maybe we can move to oh. the. Uh, That'd be awesome. That sounds great. That'd be great because I I love the idea of the the uh, the podcast and and I was listening to your interview with the the driver earlier. That was really cool. Yeah, Taz does a great job. Uh, Taz started with us about a year ago as kind of a fill-in for Craig Moore, who was having some health issues. And uh, he took the the, the guy met, basically met a, met me on the internet, and uh, I mean, just from day one, uh, it's been like we've known each other uh, our whole lives. So uh, Taz fit in really well, and and you have fit in really well with the dirt track community, Jared. I appreciate all your hard work and stuff. Um, it's nice to see uh, people carry the tradition that Heather and I kind of feel like, you know, we, we were one of the first ones that really brought stuff to the web the way that we did and, and the video and, and the photography and all that mixed into one and the, and the, the promotional side of it. And, of course, uh, you know, as I've got further along in the announcing, I had to, you know, basically focus on that if I wanted to continue doing that job. And so uh, to see what you guys have done and what Southern Dirt Track Report's done and what Just Dirt has done with their with their enterprises, it's just awesome to see everybody come together for one to make racing a lot, you know, easy to follow. That's basically what you're doing, Jared. Uh, and you're you're making oh, dirt yes. track racing easy to follow, and you're putting content out there that's uh, that that's very enjoyable. We want to thank you for coming on. Look forward to having you on weekly. Uh, Mr. Jared Hudson, do you have anything before you go? Uh, yeah, just just thank y'all for having me, and y'all be sure and go like Southern Dirt Track Report. Artie is planning a giveaway at 10,000 likes, so we're trying to get to 10,000 likes, and we're trying to you know just anybody that wants to volunteer. We we don't want somebody that's going to be lazy and not do nothing. We want somebody that really help us that loves dirt track racing, and even if it's just even if it's a track promoter or a uh, just a track owner, and they just want to share their post of their track, we'll, we'll be glad to have them. And, you know, just, just remember that uh, another thing to remember is God loves you, Jesus saves. Amen. I like that. Thank you, sir. All right. That was Jared cool. Hudson, guys, from Southern Dirt Track Report. Guys, if you uh, uh, are in the neighborhood of Facebook, go check out their page, follow them, give them a like. Uh, we uh, We look forward to... Expanding this enterprise, not only with this radio show, but also within the network, because we are we are in allegiance with the 110 Nation. Uh, Race Chat Live is is uh, basically on the air because of the 110 uh, Nation Sports uh, and everything that Mr. C J Sports does. Uh, if it was not for his backing, this this show would not be funded. And what we've been able to capitalize, we have over 1,200 episodes with 110 Nation. Uh, 35,000 uh, uh, downloadable content 
that people have downloaded from us, 35,000. Of course, over at 10 years, I think that that's probably a number that we could work on a little bit better, but it's consistency, right? And so we've come a long way. What we're able to offer people who are coming into the network is the ability to jump straight into podcasting, straight off into the Apple podcast, straight off into Spotify, straight off into iHeartRadio. We've already done the groundwork to get these guys there. That's something that Mr. CJ Sports and I and Miss Lee uh, have worked on for a very long time, getting us to this point uh, to where we're able to be on these available platforms. Uh, I can remember sending out fake, <laughs> fake email addresses through Spreaker uh, just to try to get enough uh, people to follow the show so that we could have the opportunity to be on Spotify and iHeartRadio. I believe it was iHeartRadio at the time that we were shooting for. So now we've got the groundwork laid. We've we've got the uh, we've got the availability to bring on and offer uh, guys like Southern Dirt Trek Report a, a spot. And if they do well on our show, then uh, hopefully we you know we've lost Steve and we lost Mike Paracone. We've lost uh, Izzo. So you know we we you know it's time to start bringing in a new group of people to uh, expand the show and expand the enterprise. Taz, what did you think about uh, Jared Hudson, man? He was on this game, wasn't he, buddy? Oh, yeah, he was. He uh, likes to travel to different tracks and get to know everyone and stuff. So he he knows his stuff, and uh, he enjoys racing, regardless if it's uh, asphalt or dirt. He enjoys it. One thing I do want to say, Taz, I enjoy you. And, and when Craig is on, I take kind of more of a backseat to the show, and I feel like – Craig and I kind of, we kind of set the flow different per show, but Taz, to have you being able to stay with me when I'm lead on the show and staying with Craig when Craig's lead on the show, it really shows your adaptability because Craig and I, we kind of do things a little bit different. We, we have different approaches uh, that we roll with and, uh, you know, it's uh, for you to be able to come in and, and be as versatile as you are by the way that I would conduct the show versus how, how Craig does. Um, it just shows that uh, shows your talent is well above mine or Craig's because, uh, you know, you can basically come in and work with either one of us, whoever's uh, kind of the mainstream on the show. And, 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 and you know, your, your, your content that you bring is bar none the best of the best. And I just I've always wanted to compliment you on that. And, uh, and, 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 I, and you know, uh, not to give you a big head or anything, but, man, you are awesome. Well, uh, sure to appreciate it, but uh, before we get into our picks and get ready for Dover this weekend, uh, I did touch base earlier and see what uh, Chris's reaction is to this, and uh, of course, I'll kind of get into mine, but I'll kind of keep it quiet because I still have to attend a race. I have to be nice and everything, but... uh, So, SRX earlier, as I mentioned, is announced their format plus championship point distribution distribution um they're running two heat races uh each heat race will be 15 minutes in length when the time is up in each heat race the leader will take the white flag signifying that's the final lap um and then uh they'll have a feature race which will be 100 laps at every track except for slinger slinger will be a 150 lap feature that's the only track that will be 150 laps. Um, how does the starting order and 
um, event, each event works. All six races will follow this structure. All drivers will be lined up by random draw to start heat number one. Drivers finishing positions in heat one will be inverted to start uh, heat race number two. Drivers will line up for their feature based on their finish from heat race number two. And in the feature race, there are unlimited attempts at a green-white checkered finish. Their championship points distribution is pretty simple for the most part. The heat races, um, you start at 12th for first, and you work your way down by one point, all the way down to 12th, it gets one point. Uh, That'll work for both heat races. The feature race, the winner gets 25 points, second gets 22, and it goes down by two points, all the way down to 12th. That gets two points for that. Of course, all full-time SRX drivers will be eligible for the season-long championship. Obviously, the one-and-done drivers or drivers that are maybe racing two races, uh, depending on who they are, um, obviously won't be eligible for the season-long championship. But that is the event format, uh, points distribution, how they're running it. Chris, uh before we get into our picks in the last 10 minutes of the show, your thoughts? The SRX is going in the right direction. Six weeks is going to be one of the best six weeks of my lifetime. I think it's during the same uh, start times as uh, the, the show Yellowstone. So I hope to have my DVR ready for Yellowstone <laughs> because I'm going to be all in <laughs> on the SRX. <laughs> my wife doesn't know this yet. Hopefully they will be the same start times. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. And, and you know, I'm not so thrilled about some of the drivers, but I do understand that that's, you know, that's what you're, you know, that, it's the all-stars. And it's kind of hard to think that, of, that, you know, Bill Elliott is still an all-star. Uh, <laughs> and, and some of the other drivers, Bobby Labonte, I think they've seen their better days. But, nonetheless, it's going to be an exciting series. I was disappointed to find out Jeremy Mayfield was not going to be uh, a part of the series, so they had fooled us to make us believe that they were. Uh, so that was a little disappointing there. But all in all, I'm just ready to see what this series is about. I want to get the first year under the belt. I think it's going to be more successful than the AFL. Uh, the uh, what's it? Uh, what was that football XFL? league that they had? As, yeah, the XFL. I think it's going to last a little bit longer than that. Uh, Tony Stewart and Ray Everham's put a lot of hard work into this. So uh, CBS, we're, they're they're going to be the center of motorsports attention uh, during the six weeks of this, and I, I think that uh, it'll have a lot of people tuned in to see what it's all about. Uh, of course, we got Dover coming up this weekend. There's 20,000 available tickets. All are sold out. So Dover has a sellout crowd uh, this coming weekend. We're going to the Monster Mile, the concrete. Uh, you know, this is Typically a place where certain drivers run well and other drivers don't. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this package works, uh, being that, you know, they're, uh, they're back to their high horsepower uh, packages again. And, uh, of course, they raced the high horsepower package at Darlington. It didn't, didn't really give as much of a good race. So hopefully this will, uh, you know, this is another high-bake racetrack, right? So the same people that we've seen out front at Darlington, we should see that same group of drivers up front here at Dover. Uh, anything that you want to add to that, Taz? Yeah, Dover, 
Dover to me is kind of like um, kind of like the bigger track of Bristol. Put in a way, you have multiple, if you run um, if you run the track right, there is multiple grooves of racing. And of course, when you come off uh, the corners of two and four, you're going to be slipping and sliding. Um, they call it a monster mile for a reason. It's a monster of a track. I mean, it's of course all the tracks we go to has their own unique. Uh, feature or features, but there's something about Dover that that's just unique from most common tracks. Not only the concrete, but just how it races. Um, we all know that if you have, you're going to have success there repeatedly. I mean, look at Jimmy Johnson. He went after the he couldn't complete the Dover dozen, but he's won there 11 times. Obviously, the guy knew how to drive the track. So. If you, so if you have success at that track once, you're going to have success there again. And it doesn't have to be wins necessarily. It's just a matter of if you're consistently a top five driver at that track, regardless of what equipment you're in, you're going to be up there. If you're a consistent uh, six through tenth guy, well, you're going to be you're going to be there. It's just a matter of um, not only equipment, but how well is your driving talent, and it shows at this track, and it's very odd to really see that for a track um, that's not a sh- really a short track, but not really a road course either. Yeah. Um, you know, you remind me with the with the concrete stuff, oh, concrete Carl uh, always was a dominant factor at this type of racetrack. We also have another concrete racetrack that we're coming up to that we haven't been to in years, and that's Nashville Speedway. So it's going to be interesting to see if anything carries over. Uh, yeah, to and this is the Speedway. only. Yeah, this is the only uh, race we get at Dover because Dover used to have two uh, two races, and because of Nashville uh, and Dover, um, be owning Nashville, uh, Dover lost a date so Nashville could get one this year. So. Um, Instead of having two races at Dover, we're now having one. And if you if you haven't had success anywhere in the NASCAR circuit, but you have success at Dover, you better make this one count. Yeah, I haven't checked the odds yet for uh, – and that's so disappointing to see that, you know, a racetrack that has always given such great racing like the Monster Mile – it's only going to get uh, it's only going to get one race this season. Uh, and, you know, we're oversaturated now with uh, with road course races. It was not ever in any intention to take short track racing off of the list, right? I mean, we wanted to get rid of mile and a half speedways, and I think we've done a pretty good job of that. I'm already missing Chicago Land. I'm not going to lie to you, and I miss the Green Wall at Kentucky. And, uh, you know, if they take away Homestead, my heart's just going to be broken because those were not the everyday mile-and-a-half speedways. But, you know, you're kind of left with, okay, well, what mile-and-a-half speedways are you talking about? Like California and Charlotte Motor Speedway? Those those tracks are not going to go anywhere anytime soon. Um, let me check the well, odds. Ca- well, California is a uh, going to be a short track here soon, within the next year or two. But yes, yes, that's and and possibly changes to Atlanta Motor Speedway as well. 
But they just need to bring uh, a reschedule in on that one. That's that's that they they've got to get that soon. But reschedule quick before we get into uh, picks and odds. Uh, Friday, May fourteenth, will be the Arkham Menard Series East Series practice and qualifying at one forty-five p.m. Eastern. No TV, no uh, broadcast coverage of any sort on that. Um, then their race will be at five p.m. Eastern for the General Tire one twenty-five. That'll be on MRN for Motor Racing Network Radio. Saturday, May 15th at 1.30 p.m. is the NASCAR Xfinity Series, driving 200. And Sunday, May 16th will be the NASCAR Cup Series, 2 p.m. Eastern for the driving 400. All of, both of those races will be on FS1, MRN Radio, and TSN3 for you Canadian folks. And for those wondering about the Dash for Cash for Xfinity, eligible for Dover is Almondinger's, Al Geyers, Barry, and Brandon Jones. Hmm. Well, as your usual suspects in the NASCAR odds, no surprise here for a 7-2 fractional win, a plus 350, that's Martin Truex Jr. Second on the list is Kyle Larson with a 4-1. to one. Third on the list is Denny Hamlin with a six to one. Kyle Bush and Chase Elliott both share the eight to one. Kevin Harvick's a seventeen to two. Brad Keselowski a thirteen to one. William Byron a sixteen to one. Joey Logano sixteen to one. And Alex Bowman a twenty to one. Interesting fact here: Ryan Blaney twenty two to one and Christopher Bell twenty five to one bet. They seem like those are probably your better money bets right there, considering uh, both of those guys are uh, basically due. Um, what do you think about Vegas basically saying Martin Truex, Kyle Larson, and Danny Hamlin are your new big three? Um, doesn't surprise me for in terms of Truex and Larson. Obviously, we've seen how well Larson's been running this year in Hendrick equipment. Truex being the only multi-time winner. Hamlin being consistent, but right now my thing with him is the win column. He hasn't hit that yet. He hasn't gotten the job done. He's gotten gotten the work filled up, but he can't get the job done. And I don't know if I want to place him in the big three just to – I don't want to solidify him in the big three yet. Until he gets that win, I don't want to put him in the big three yet. So points don't really matter. Well, I mean, for Hamlin's sense, he sees, oh, points matter because if I'm regular season champion, I'm in the playoffs. But in a system where it's winning you're in, where that matters more than points, I mean, it's kind of hard to to kind of say, well, let's look at points. Go from there when we're facing things on winning you're in or winning you move on. I mean, points is kind of like um, how much buildup can I get and how much buildup can I re- rely on, but it can only do so much. I mean, if say if Hamlin doesn't become the regular season points champion, but there's 16 different drivers – or 16 different winners, he just got screwed out of it. Right. 
Right. And I, I'm just really not sure if we're going to get the 16. It's going to be interesting as that gap starts closing closer and closer. Uh, what series? You, do, did you say we have all three series racing this weekend? Xfinity and Trucks. Or not Xfinity and Trucks. Xfinity and Cup. Trucks are off. Xfinity. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, we've got about five minutes left. I think Ms. Lee made her picks. Craig, we haven't heard from him, so we don't have his picks. We'll get his picks up later. Uh, Mr. CJ Sports, did he leave his picks? Um, I don't have picks for anyone just yet, so we're going to mm. be the first two. No, Craig and I were tied in points. Okay, hold on. Let's have a great show tomorrow. Miss Lee, I believe, left her picks. Somebody left their picks. Okay, so Miss Lee's picks was Gregson and Harvick. I cannot believe we didn't get Mr. C.J. Sports' picks while he was on the show. You're we're going to have to have submitted. that message over. I know yeah, she had to... Harvick and Greg. I know she had Harvick and Allgaier for uh, last weekend. Yeah, yeah, I found it right here. Uh, my picks are Gregson and Harvick uh, for uh, for this weekend. Um, I've just, I have just been god awful in the. Uh, I guess the Xfinity you, picks, which one? See, in the lower series, you're kind of all over the place, but you've been on the mark for Cup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the trucks have kicked my kicked my butt in, the, in Xfinity. I'm sitting in third. Ah, you know, who is the dominant team right now? Who's the dominant uh, uh, Xfinity Garage is it is it Junior Motorsports is it JGR, um, colleague, colleague Racing seems to be uh, one of the top stronger teams. Um, and going into Dover, man, I don't know. I, I it's like I want to go with Colleague Racing. Oh, um, um, but uh, you know, if I do that, then I, I've got to go with Dinker. I've got to go with Dinker. Uh, on a short track, that's not typically where he runs well at, but I feel like his experience. You know, Al Garrett, he won he won that race at Darlington because of experience, right? I mean, that's why he was able to beat Josh Berry. Was oh, because yeah. Al Garrett has, has the experience. And uh, this is one of those racetracks where I think that's really going to benefit uh driver and A.J. Amendinger. Um But I think he's going to be uh, – He's going to, you know, his experience is going to be the benefactor to this weekend. Um, on the cup side, <laughs> Truex, the guy just looks unbeatable right now. Um, oh, goodness, we get the 90-second call here. Uh, I guess I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Kyle Larson again this week. I'm going to go with Kyle Larson. Well, Xfinity, um, I'm looking at Junior Motorsports, JGR. Um, I think a lot of people are going to go with, oh, go with Justin Allgaier. They're probably going to lean heavily on him. But I'm going to look in JGR, and I'm going to look at a guy who's um, – I actually had to look up his stats for this because I was thinking him how well he's ran so far this year. Um, in his three starts at Dover, he's finished in the top ten at each one of them. 
He's led 23 laps there. He has two top fives. He's due for – I think he's due for a win, not only at this track, but for this season. I'm going with Daniel Hemrick on the Xfinity side. Oh, I was going to say Harrison Burton. But, yeah, Daniel Hemrick, that's a good one. Um, He's not a dash for cash driver, so I'm going to have to go with uh, – I'm going to put my money on Algaier for dash for cash on that one. Um, I'm just going to play it a little safe on that. And then cup, cup side, well, cup side, I'm looking at Hendrick particularly. Um, and I have to go with a guy who's just been on a rail this so, so far this year. Uh, I'm going to go on the same page as you, Chris. We're going to see our second uh, multi-time winner this season. I'm, I, I got to go with Kyle Larson. I mean, he's won at this track under Ganassi equipment in that 42 car that everyone else has struggled with. Look at the tear he's on with the five car. Right. He's a favorite. He is. He is. He is. And, and, and it's one of those tracks where you got to race on the high side there. And I don't, you know, between him, Reddick, and William Byron, uh, those guys are uh, one some of the best at it. But, you know, uh, don't sleep on Truex Jr. Obviously, he may have a career year this year. Uh, he's in the right equipment to have it happen. Uh, but uh, so if you guys have stayed along, we appreciate you listening to the show. If you're listening to the podcast, then this is the part of the show where it was not it was not live anymore. I want to thank y'all for listening to Race Chat Live. Uh, you can join us every Monday night. Normally it's C- Craig Moore and Taz Taylor and uh, uh, Chris Creighton, a caution flag of racing radio. Uh, on but uh, we were uh, short with uh, well Craig's not short. Craig was uh, just not with us here. Uh, tonight, hopefully everything's good for him, and we'll be having him back uh, next week. But uh, Taz, uh, thank you for for being uh, a co-host here this evening, as always. And uh, um, we'll look forward to seeing how our picks end up after this weekend. It's going to be a beautiful weekend for racing. Hopefully, y'all go out and support your local dirt tracks or your local tracks, and uh, just uh, share your experiences any way that you can. And uh, we need people at the racetrack, guys. Uh, COVID's over, uh, and it's time to get our lives back. So go to the racetrack, support these guys. They raced even when there wasn't fans in the stands to keep this tradition alive. It's time to go out and support these guys and show them that you appreciated the entertainment factors that they bring to us week in, week out at these local racetracks. Uh, For Taz Taylor, Craig Moore, Chris Creighton, uh, we hope that y'all have a great weekend. Taz, is there anything you want to leave us with? Um, like you said, support your local tracks. I know NASCAR has been uh, trying to emphasize on the local short tracks with their uh, weekly racing advanced auto parts series. Uh, I know they're doing a uh, fan contest at the moment with, with those tracks, so vote for your track if it's still on there. If your local track is not on there, vote for your uh, regional track. Um, and get on there, vote advancemytrack.com. Uh, hope you, hopefully you guys get out to a track, get out to a race this weekend. And I'm looking forward to Fonda for $1 night, Grandstand Mission, only $1 to get in. Um, it was a hit a couple of years ago. Games are packed. We're looking at that again. And uh, hopefully we get more racing in up here as weather's looking nice. And uh, 
don't forget to follow us on all forms of podcasts, our Facebook page, Race Chat Live, 110 Nation Sports, and the website, the110nationsports.com. And uh, thank you for listening all, everyone. Yeah, and also more to music. If you need any uh, DJing up in the northeastern region, go check it out, more to music. Uh, also, Yellow Caution Flag, uh, our Facebook page as well. Uh, go follow them and our racing group, Dirt Track Racing. It's all capital letters. Taz, are you are you in our Dirt Track? Are you in my Dirt Track Racing group? Yes, I am. And also, don't forget to uh, like TNT Designs. I do have race chat live stickers on the way, along with TNT Design oh. stickers on the way as well. I should be getting them in a couple of days. So exciting, so exciting. You know, if you if you sell like a, a million of those, um, then uh, I think I think we have to give at least ten percent to uh, <laughs> to either charity. <laughs> and when I say charity, I mean Mr. CJ Sports. No, but uh, on the real though, hopefully we'll sell a million of them and have that kind of problem. But uh, thank you for listening to Race Chat Live, and uh, we uh, just appreciate the support that we get. And uh, y'all have yourselves a good week. And as Taz and I both said, go enjoy a local dirt track. Go out there. Go sit in the grandstands. Even if you got to wear a mask, go go sit in the grandstands. Enjoy yourself a, a, a good dirt track race or a short track race. The, the, the racetracks need you. They need you more than ever. And uh, one thing that we just miss seeing is, is big crowds. Uh, unfortunately, it seems like only the big races are getting the big crowds. We we need medium sized crowds for the regular racing because without that then we won't have weekly weekly racetracks. Y'all have a great weekend and uh, enjoy the springtime weather. Of course, it's starting to get real hot down here, but <laughs> that's what Mississippi's known for. So y'all have a great night. Thank you very much for listening to Race Chat Live. We'll leave you with our theme song. Just a good old boy, never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw, been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Straightening the curve, straightening the curve, straightening the curve, someday the mountain might get them, but the law never will. Making their way. That's just a little bit more than the noble life. Just a good old boy. Wouldn't change if they could. Fighting the system like a new modern day Robin Hood. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.